The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. My son, you must not regard lightly discipline from the Lord, neither become weary under his chastening. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He corrects every son whom he receives. Hebrew, the 12th chapter. Verse 7, you endure because of discipline. The Lord brings into every man's life discipline. In fact, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we're told to treat all hardship as discipline from God. Why? Why are we disciplined? Hebrews 12 makes it very plain that you cannot partake in holiness without discipline. And it's also very clear that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness is an absolute prerequisite to seeing God. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what it means to be holy. It takes time to be holy. In fact, the chief goal of your life should be to be made holy. Let's pray. Almighty God, I come today with brothers and sisters, and we need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. For the cry of my heart is that I could be completely made holy, that I could have fellowship with you, Jesus. I know this is not a casual thing to you, my God. I know this is the most essential thing on your heart. You died, Jesus, on Calvary to make me holy, to make my brothers and sisters holy. Lord, would you come today in this broadcast? Would you convict? Would you stop sinners in their tracks? Would you call men and women today to be made holy? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. The cry of my heart is that you would be made holy. We live in such an utterly ungodly land. On every hand, there is everything of darkness. As one dear brother said to me last night, the wind of wickedness has grown so great and it's blown for so long that it's now just not even noticed. Government officials lying. Government agencies charged with upholding the law like the Justice Department. No interest in upholding the law. Top-level government people now pay to play. Utterly corrupt. Corrupt to the core. The judiciary. 
voting to agree with homosexual marriage as though the American government created marriage. Marriage was going on a long time before the United States government Supreme Court sat in their self-righteous robes and played God. Their foolish decision cannot change what God has said. Their foolish decision cannot readjust the meaning of marriage. God said marriage is between a man and a woman. But these kind of lies just flow freely from our government today, from our leaders, from our civic leaders, from religious leaders. The Methodist Church has the Western Division just elected a woman bishop who is a lesbian, utterly ungodly, and it will destroy the Methodist Church as it's known today. It will cause a riptide to go through the Methodist Church, and men and women who are faithful to Jesus will leave by the thousands. If you're in a Methodist church today, I urge you to flee from that wicked place. Their general conference leadership had no interest in adjusting that decision. Instead, they were going to allow it to happen. It breaks my heart. You know, I know without any doubt The wickedness of this age has become the norm with violence, with wicked entertainment, with constant turning to darkness. And Hebrews, the 12th chapter, addresses this. Let me read for you. Verse 12. Therefore you must strengthen the hands having been weak and the knees having been feeble. And you must make straight paths for your feet that the lame may not be turned aside but rather may be healed. This is addressing Christians and particularly it's addressing the Christian church. And it's saying strengthen your hands. Strengthen your your feeble knees so that you can stand in this time of great wickedness. Don't seek the approval of men. Seek the approval of God. Now, he begins in verse 14 to speak about how holiness or how salvation can be lost. He says, you must pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Well, let's stop a moment. What is holiness? The word holiness here could easily be translated, you must pursue peace with all men, and the purity, or without purity, no one will see the Lord. What is purity? Being made clean. Not walking in sin. Not walking in darkness. Not walking in bitterness and rage and anger. Not walking in all of the things of darkness. You must pursue holiness. You must pursue purity of heart. Heart purity is how Wesley termed it. Now, what is purity or holiness? It is a state of continual sanctification, a life of purity and detachment from the world and all of its lusts, all of its violence, all of its darkness. In other words, purity is a state of mind and heart where we are totally one with Jesus Christ, and we are no longer going to participate in the wickedness of this world. 
It was Job who said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman with lust. He wanted to be pure before God. Holiness. Heart purity. This is to be the norm of the Christian, not the exception. Today, if you're struggling to be a Christian, and you're still walking in known sin that you have refused to cut off, you do not have a pure heart. And you have a very short time to deal with this issue in your life. Let me read this for you. Verse 25. I'm sorry, verse verse 15. You must pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord, seeing to it lest anyone falling from the grace of God, lest some bitter root grow up that may cause trouble, and by this may defile many with sin. He's saying that if you don't walk in purity... you will fall from grace. That you cannot see the Lord without holiness, without purity of heart. If you're continuing to go to the internet and feast on the darkness, and I don't need to define that darkness, your conscience will tell you. If you ask, is this pure? Is what I'm watching pure? Is it something Jesus would watch with me? You'll very quickly know whether it's pure or not. Is this music I'm listening to, is this rap I'm listening to, is this pure or is it filthy? Without being pure, you will not see the Lord. You will fall from the grace of God. And part of what happens... God brings whatever he needs to bring into our hearts to try to get a handle upon us. And often, it's what the devil brings, and the Lord allows it. All kinds of suffering come into our hearts, and God allows that suffering to come because he wants to get a hold of us, and he wants to purify us. And frankly, were only purified in fire. There is no purification without suffering. It requires suffering to be made pure. Now, instead of being made pure by suffering, instead of enduring what's going on, often a man or a woman will turn to bitterness. The first message I received today was my wife wants a divorce. What should I do? And I said, what? Didn't you hear the message at church yesterday? What is this root of bitterness that's growing up in your heart? that you would even consider saying we should have a divorce. That's a root of bitterness. You're collecting the hurts that come your way, the judgments, the accusations. Really? It's a root of bitterness. And this root of bitterness will defile many with sin. It will lead to fornication. That's what it says. It will lead to being a godless person like Esau. And we need to stop a minute and talk about Esau. Esau is one of the most tragic figures in all of Scripture. We see Esau throwing his birthright away for a a meal. 
He wasn't concerned about the spiritual leadership of his family. He was not concerned about the financial well-being of his family. He was only concerned with, I'm hungry, I want food, give it to me. And so he sold Jacob his birthright for a bowl of porridge. Now, I don't like the way Jacob, at his mother's direction, stole the blessing. But frankly, the blessing went with the birthright. Jacob's father had no business trying to give the blessing to Esau. They all knew the blessing belonged to Jacob. But nevertheless, I can't support Jacob in his dishonesty with his mother. But let's look at this issue of Esau as he tries to deal with his loss, not only of the birthright, but of the blessing of the birthright. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it says, a godless person like like Esau. The word godless, literally in the Greek, means a person who has walked across a threshold. They have walked through a doorway. And once having crossed that threshold, literally threshold, entrance into a door. Once having walked out through that door, he could not find a place of repentance. Let me read it for you. A godless person like Esau, who in exchange for one meal sold his birthright, for you must know that even afterward, desiring to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, although having sought it with tears. The message here is terrifying to me, that Esau, after throwing away his birthright for a bowl of porridge, crossed a threshold on a doorway, And once having crossed that threshold, he was unable to turn around and come back through that door. He had gone too far. He had married pagan women. He had lived a pagan life. But suddenly he wants his father's spiritual blessing. And he cannot have it. He is rejected. He cannot find a place of repentance. Now, we need to define carefully what repentance is and what it's not. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is not apologizing. Repentance is literally turning away from that sin. It is a change of mind. It is a complete change in the course of direction one pursues. Now with that comes godly sorrow. What causes the godly sorrow? The godly sorrow is caused by seeing the damage I have done to God and to others and to myself and saying, I was wrong. I should not have done that. And I see the consequence. Now, sometimes... It takes a long time to walk out and find the full depth, the consequence of that sin. David with Bathsheba. 
his repentance took many years to work itself out in his heart, to humble him. He did not die. He was forgiven. But there was a working out of the sorrow of that repentance. He watched as his son tried to usurp his kingship. And one of the most poignant portions of Scripture is King David leaving Jerusalem when he did not have to leave. He could have marshaled his forces, gone after his wayward son, and killed him. But he would rather die than have Absalom die. And so he gathers his people. He leaves his concubines there. And he leaves. And he makes his way up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he goes barefoot, having taken off his kingly robe. He humbles his heart before his people and before God. All of this goes back to what God said he was going to have to endure, often enduring the discipline of God has to do with the aftermath of gross sin in our lives where God comes and brings the discipline into our lives to work out at a very fine level the imperfections of soul that have been caused by gross sin in that man or woman's life. It is a part of the process of preparation that God needs to bring to pass in order that we can be used by him to accomplish what he desires for us to accomplish. Now, what we consider gross sin may be something very different from what God considers gross sin. But David's affair with Bathsheba was in God's sight a shameful thing. It was fornication. It was adultery. It shamed the kingdom of God. It shamed the kingdom of David. It gave reason for the foreigners to scorn the God of heaven. And God works out very finely. And I mean by that, by grinding very fine the wheat of David's life. As he deals with the sin of the past, even though he is forgiven... God wants a total change in this man's heart and in this man's life. And so he grinds out very slowly and very carefully the inner pride of David's heart that led him to be so callous that he could just go and take Bathsheba and murder Uriah the Hittite. And it takes years to accomplish that full work in his heart. And David found a place of repentance with Almighty God. But that repentance was not fully satisfied until David humbled his heart, took off his robes of kingship, and weeping, walked up that Mount of Olives in his bare feet before all of the people. And then this servant of Saul, throwing stones at him, throwing dirt, showering him with with pebbles and clods of dirt. What a picture of, of humility and those with David said, can we go cut this dog's head off? And he said, what are, what are you to me? Stop. If God intends for this to happen, then praise God. He was willing to utterly submit in humility his heart before Almighty God. You see the same thing in Abraham's life. 
It was not by chance that God told Abraham to take his son, Isaac, and offer him on that mountain. It was a working out in a very fine, disciplined way. The unbelief that Abraham had had exerted in giving away his wife twice, in his unbelief in the promises of God, and then his finally coming through in victory after he had had a son of the flesh. Thirteen years, God didn't speak to him. But very finally, it was ground out in Abraham's life. Until finally Abraham, finding a place of repentance, took his son, his only son, to offer him on that mountain of God. And at the last moment, God relieved him because he said, Now I see that you fear me, that you will obey me. We see the same thing worked out in Moses' life. Why do you think Moses had to spend 40 years as a shepherd nursing sheep that didn't belong to him, that belonged to a a pagan? His father-in-law, why do you think why do you think that happened? Because he took his sword and killed an Egyptian and he tried in his flesh to become the deliverer of Israel in his own pride, in his own self-sufficiency, in his own glory. And God drove him out into the wilderness for 40 years to be humbled until finally Moses said, Lord, send somebody else. I, I can't even talk anymore. And God said, I'll be your mouthpiece. Oh, God, don't send me. I can't do it. Oh, now God can use him. He found a place of repentance with God where he absolutely humbled his heart before Almighty God. Took 40 years. Please hear what I'm saying to you today. Repentance includes that slow transformation of character and of heart It is the enduring of the painful discipline of God that finally brings a man to an end of himself, to a humility in his heart, and by be willing to submit to the discipline of God, he finds a place of repentance. But Esau... In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, although having sought it with tears. Esau was not even beginning to be ready to humble his heart before God over the years that would have been necessary for him to humble his heart, that the full work of repentance could have been accomplished in his life, and the discipline of God upon him could have made him into a godly man. He could not find in his heart that place of repentance because he was unwilling to submit to the hand of God. He wanted something quick and easy. Oh, I'm sorry. Please, 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 I want this. Oh, I need this. And then the next day he was off on his own, doing his own thing. Raising up his army of 400 men. Raising up what he considered to be worthwhile totally operating in the flesh. No discipline of God was going to slow this man down. A 
I want to tell you today, the most precious gift that God has granted to me is a place of repentance. To be subject to the discipline of God. To be subject to the fine grinding out of God in my heart to remove pride and arrogance, to remove self-sufficiency. It's a glorious thing to submit to the hand of God. Many of you, however, like Esau, have rejected. You have religion. You like your religion. But you have rejected the discipline of God. You found a way around it. You found a way under it. You found a way past it. And God has no way to get a hold of your life because you've never been willing to submit to his discipline in your heart. Because you don't understand that without that discipline, you can never be pure before God. And yet you expect to be taken into heaven. And when he says no... When he says to you, depart from me, I never knew you. You're going to weep and cry, as it says in the Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to say, but look, I did this wonderful thing, and I did this, and I did that. I raised up churches. I preached. I taught. I was an elder. I was a minister. I gave my money. I did all of this. And the Lord will say to you, depart from me. I don't know you. Why? Because you would never submit to the discipline of God. And you found no place of repentance. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is being willing to submit to the discipline of God. You hate the job you're in? Receive that job as discipline from the hand of God and rejoice that he considers you worthy to give you a place of repentance. You don't like the wife you've married? You don't like the husband you're married to? Rejoice that God has given to you a place of discipline. Rejoice that you have a place where God can get at the deepest part of your heart and your soul and turn you toward the kingdom of heaven. Without suffering, God can't get a hold of you. It's in suffering that we learn perfection. It's in suffering that we learn purity of heart. Without suffering, there is no purity of heart. There's no place of repentance. Esau could find no place of repentance. He crossed through that door. He crossed over that threshold. I'm fearful for some of you that you have crossed over that threshold. You've been unwilling to deal faithfully with the Holy Spirit regarding your sin. You've made excuses for your alcoholism. You've made excuses for your fornication. You've made excuses for your stealing and your lying. You've made excuses cleanness. You've not considered it serious. You're half converted. A man who is half converted cannot enter into the kingdom of God. A man who is half converted is right where Esau was. As he had to make a decision, will I submit to the discipline of God? God said no through his father. I have no blessing for you. And he walked away. And he lived his own life. He was unwilling to change. He loved the wild game. He loved the chase and the hunt. Let me ask you honestly. Does what you love cause you to be unwilling to endure the discipline of God and find that place of repentance 
For without that place of repentance, you cannot be saved. That's why Jesus' first message was, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. What did he mean? He didn't mean some trite little, say you're sorry. He meant, come and follow me. Have uncovered the depth of your heart. Have uncovered the dishonesty of your spirit. Have have uncovered the hardness of your heart as you have followed the ways of the devil. Come and let the Holy Spirit bring you into a place of repentance. Let the Holy Spirit come and, and move in your heart. I would love to talk with someone today who has not been able to find a place of repentance. I'd be happy to pray with you. Let me give you the phone number here in studio. We have we have lots of time. I made a vow. I'm going to open the phones today. Because I know there are some of you listening who have not yet turned away from your sin. You're only half converted. You're playing with the idea of con- of confessing and getting right with God, but you've not really made the vow in your heart that you will seek him with all of your heart and mind and soul. So you have not yet found that place of repentance. I would be happy to pray with you that you could find that place today. Our phone number in studio is 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero eight seven seven five three four zero seven eight zero. Do you need to find a place of repentance? If you do, and you're convicted, then call right now, because you know that without finding that place of repentance, without finding that place of purity, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher preaching every Sunday or every Saturday. It doesn't matter. Without heart purity, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see God. He will not know you. I mean, that passage of Scripture in Second Corinthians. Let me just turn to it quickly, and I'll read it for you while you're thinking about whether you'll dial the phone, 877-534-0780. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So for this reason, you must come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord, and the unclean thing you must not touch, and I will receive you. If you want God to receive you today, you are going to have to stop touching the unclean thing, whether it be the television, the professional sports. I don't care what it is. Anything that is unclean, you have to stop touching it. It says, I will be to you a father, and you will be to me sons and daughters, says the Lord, omnipotent. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, may we cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, perfecting purity of heart in the fear of God. Now, there it is. It's laid before you today. 
You cannot see God if you continue to touch the unclean things in your life. If you continue continue with your alcoholism, you can cry buckets of tears like Esau. But you will find no place of repentance will be granted to you until in your heart you make a decision that you will allow Jesus to bring the discipline necessary into your heart and into your life that will grind out your character and transform you into the likeness of Jesus. He does it by by faith, not by works. He does the work, but we must submit to it. He brings us to the job we hate. He brings us into things that will be very difficult for us, that will try our spirits. And Hebrews 12 says, accept that as the discipline from God. Those are handles that God has to get a hold of you. The devil may bring it on you, but God's going to use it for his glory as he produces in you that gentle, pure fruit of righteousness. Eight seven seven five three four zero seven eight zero. Now, while I wait for a quick call, and we have time for a call, I want to give you some information. I want to thank those of you this past week who sent your contribution, your tithe to care for this radio broadcast so we can remain on the air. I can't do it by myself. I have to have men and women who walk in Jesus, who walk in obedience to the Spirit, who give as he directs them, because this is not listener-sponsored radio. So I don't say to you, if you'll give a donation of any amount, I'll send you this book, or I'll give you whatever. I can't do that. This is Jesus-sponsored radio. And always Jesus has maintained his work by free will offerings of tithe and offerings as the Holy Spirit moves on the heart of his people. And so I ask, would you obey the Holy Spirit as he prompts you to give to cover the cost of this radio broadcast? This month is one of the largest months of the year. We have 23 broadcast days this month, and we pay by the broadcast day. Almost $4,000 this month. So I ask you, please, would you send your check or your tithe to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that address, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, we meet every Sunday and every Tuesday evening at the All Saints Anglican Church. Some of you, by accident, send your gifts to the All Saints Anglican Church under the name National Prayer Chapel, and that's fine they make certain that it comes to the National Prayer Chapel for Pilgrim's Progress. That address is 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Now, if you were not able to get those addresses, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And there you'll find the podcasts, you'll find videos. And I want to thank our IT person, Brother Ed Pugh. He does a magnificent job for us of putting up new broadcasts every day, classic sermons. Takes him many hours of work. He is a full-time employee of a government agency. But he does this as well, and he does a magnificent job. I want to just recognize him and say thank you.
Now let's come back to the word. I still have no phone calls coming in. I know when revival begins to break out in Washington, which God has promised me, the phone lines will jam. That's part of the discipline on my life, to come to this, to proclaim the gospel, and not the response. The Lord told me that would be part of my discipline, and I receive it, and I put you in Jesus' hands, for I love you. And I want to see you turn in full repentance to get right with Jesus, to break out of your little religious circle, to break out of your of your sin. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, begin to walk in purity of heart, to walk clean before God. Esau crossed a threshold. Some of you today may feel like you crossed a threshold and there's no longer a place for you of repentance. The scriptures say today is a day of salvation. Esau would have found repentance had he humbled his heart, had he remained in the presence of God. But he did not, and God knew he wouldn't. And this family drama plays itself out through the centuries. Till finally, Jesus on the night of his betrayal. Beaten, mistreated, was finally led from Pilate to King Herod. King Herod was a direct descendant of Esau. He was an Edomite. And again, this drama is played out. King Herod could find no place of repentance and later died a miserable death and was sent to hell. Because there was no place of repentance found by him, Some of you, you've tried the crocodile tears. You've tried feeling guilty for a little bit. But you've never been willing to truly submit to the discipline of God in your life. You've been angry. You've been bitter. You've made accusations. You have a root of bitterness deep into your soul. Because you say God has not been fair to you. He has mistreated you. You say your son or your daughter has mistreated you. Your husband or your wife has mistreated you. Everybody is mistreating you and you're angry and you're bitter. All of those things were meant to be handles that God could get a hold of you. That he might bring you into that place of repentance, of transformation, of change. How long will you fight the Holy Spirit? How long will you run from the Holy Spirit? How long will you live your normal Christian life that is not Christian, very religious, but not Christian? How long will you reject the discipline of God in your life and make up all kinds of religious-sounding words but never submit to the discipline and thus never find a place of true repentance where you can be transformed and made pure after the likeness of Jesus? 
And so you defile with your sin, your husband or your wife, your family. You defile with your sin, your workmates, your relatives. In your pride, you're going to live your life the way you choose to live it. In your pride, God's going to have to come and meet you on your terms. And you will never find that place of repentance. You will have crossed a threshold and you will continue in your life as you choose with your ambition and your selfishness until finally you're brought before the judgment bar of God and cast into utter darkness. Now I have better hope for you My hope, my cry in the prayer closet is for you to turn, to humble your heart before God, to stop being religious and start being real and speaking the truth and hearing the truth and turning your heart to Almighty God. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Stop trying to escape and instead submit to the discipline of God and find that incredible place of repentance that God has prepared for you, that he might make you a pure heart, a clean heart, a new heart. It doesn't happen quickly. It's going to take time. Oh, you can repent and stop your sinning now, but it's still going to take time for that repentance to work itself out in your heart. That's that place of repentance that God has for you. Let's pray. Almighty God, the cry of my heart is that your people would find a place of repentance in the midst of this evil age, that the seduction of the world would be broken over their hearts and over their lives, that they would turn to you with humility, with tears, and they would stay there and allow you to bring whatever discipline is necessary into their hearts and into their lives, that each could find that place of repentance and not be cast out like Esau was, not be found godless, but be found pure of heart. Lord, have your way today. Lord, I bless your holy name. I plead for revival. In the name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley with the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening today. Would you invite a friend? Would you share it on Facebook or share it on your iPhone, go to nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find all the podcasts. And today's broadcast will be up this evening. You can find also the YouTube very quickly. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.